Okay, we are at uh, 7B, um, Zion Amud Bet, top line. We have been talking about teachings by Rabbi Yochanan um, in the name of Rabbi Yossi. And now we're going to um, give more teachings from Rabbi Yochanan, but this time teachings that he's saying in the name of Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai. Let us begin. Um, or, so top line, first word on the line. Um, Rabbi Yochanan Mishum Mishum Ben Yochai. Rabbi Yochanan said in the name of Mishum Ben Yochai. Miyom Shabara Hakadosh Baruch Hu Olam from the day that God created the world. Lohaya Adam Shekara'o Lahakadosh Baruch Hu Adon. No one called the blessed be He. No one called God, Lord Adon. Hachiba Avraham Vikara'o Adon until Avraham came and called him Lord. Shenemar, as the verse says. Vayomer Adonai ki irashena, as Avram said, um, my Lord, by what shall I know that I will inherit it? Amarav, Rav's and as Rav added, Afdaniel lonana elabishvel Avraham, in one of the prayers of Daniel, Daniel, um, his prayers were only answered because of Avraham, because of um, Avram the first Jew. Shenemar, as the verse in Daniel says. As it says, and now listen, God, to the prayer of your servant and to his supplication, and cause your countenance to shine upon your desolate temple, Liman Adonai, um, for the sake of my Lord. So the question is, is that Daniel was talking to God, and yet at the end he says, for the sake of my Lord, or for the sake of the Lord, instead of for the sake of you, O Lord. So why did he say it like that? He should have said, and cause your face to shine upon your temple, for your sake, because God, Daniel, as I explained, was talking directly to God. So what was he trying to convey upon saying, um, for the sake of the Lord? He was trying to... Um, he was trying to basically utilize um, the power and the memory of Avraham by saying, God, will you listen or do this for, uh, for the sake of, of the Lord, meaning the person who first called you Lord, which was Avraham. So he was evoking Avraham in order to have his prayers answered. The Amar So this now is another teaching in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, that Rabbi Yochanan says, in the name of Rabbi Shem ben Yochai, and we're at the first colon on 7b. This is going back to that um, other teaching we had learned earlier. Um, from where do we know that one should not try to appease somebody while they're in the throes of their anger? Shinemar, as the verse says, Panaye lechu silach. The verse says, God speaking to Moshe and says, my face will go and then I will give you rest. My face will go as a reference to the anger leaving. So let my anger leave and then I will sit and um, and answer you. So we have another teaching by Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Yochanan. Um, from the day that God created the world, there was no one that gave thanks to God until Leah, um, one of the wives of Jacob, of Yaakov. Um, so it was not until she came and gave thanks, Shinemar, as the verse says, upon having her fourth child, Yehuda, um, she names him Yehuda. 
And the reason for the name is this time I will give thanks to God. And the word Yehuda or Judah means thanks. So we see that that was the first time God was thanked by a human being. Um, now that we spoke about one of the names of Leah's children, she had six sons with Yaakov. We will now talk about another son. She, and we know at least one daughter with Yaakov. Um, we'll now talk about the name of another son, Reuven. Where did the name Reuven, who is Leah's firstborn, where did that come from? Amr Belazar. So Belazar explains that this is what Leah was prophesizing. She was seeing the future. Amr Leah. Leah says, Reu. So C. So the first part of the name Reuven is Resh Alevav. C. Ma Bain. And then the difference. So it's see the difference. This child will be a sign of the difference. What does that mean? See the difference between my son, this is Leah talking about Ruvain, and Ben Chami, the son of my father-in-law. Her father-in-law would have been Yitzchak. So this would have been Esav. Esav was Yaakov's older brother, the firstborn of Yitzchak and Rivka. So now she's going to show a contrast between them. Di'il Ben Chami, when it came to my father-in-law, son, or when it came to Esav, even though he sold his birthright, his firstborn birthright willingly, as the verse clearly says, that he sold his birthright to Yaakov, his younger brother, yet it still says about Esav, that Esav hated Yaakov. So number one, he sold the birthright willingly, and yet when Yaakov claims the birthright, it says that he hates him. And it also says, Esav also says, um, this is why his name is Yaakov, because he has tricked me twice. The word Yaakveni is to trick me. As if to say Yaakov has tricked Esav twice, meaning he denies the fact that he ever even sold the birthright to Yaakov. And this was all a trick. So that's Esav. He gave it away willingly and um, hated Yaakov for it and never really agreed to the fact that he did it. V'ilu b'ni, but then there was Ruvain. Even though Ruvain um, had, against his will, gave his birthright, the firstborn birthright, to Yosef, the first the firstborn of Rachel, um, the Leah's younger sister. So even though the birthright went against Reuven's will, as the verse says in Chronicles, It says, uh, since he defiled his father's bed, his birthright was given to the son of Joseph. What exactly Reuven's sin was, we can, we'll, we can elaborate upon on a different time. But we see that it was given forcefully, against his will to Yosef, and yet, nonetheless, lo we know that he was not jealous of Yosef. As the verse says, it says that Reuven heard and saved him from his hands, meaning Reuven heard that his brothers wanted to kill Yosef at the story at the pit, and it was Reuven that went and said, um, let us not take his life. He was the one that tried to save him, even though he lost his birthright against his will to Yosef. Okay, so now that we mentioned, described, explained the name of Yehuda and Ruvain, we are now going to go on to explain another name. This time, it is the name of Ruth, or Rus, um, or Root. So it's the last of the... There's one middle-sized line on the page, so we're at the last couple of words of that middle-sized line.
before we get to the wide lines. Okay, Rus, where does that name come from? My Rus, what does that name mean? Um, Rus is the one that we, we read her story on Shavuos. Um, she is a convert that ends up with a man named Boaz, and from her comes King David, and eventually um, from King David comes the Messiah. So that's Rus. So where does that name come from? Reshavav Tuf. I'm Rabbi Yochanan. Yochanan explains, Shezachsa v'yatsa mimena David sherivehu lahakadosh baruch hu v'shiroz v'shishbachos. So it comes from the fact that she had the privilege that King David would come from her. And King David was somebody that was Rivehu, which is the same root as the word Rus, Rivehu, that he inundated God with song and praise. Um, so she's named after the fact that her offspring would be somebody that would praise and sing to God in such a great and, um, and, uh, and, um, and, uh, very generous, magnanimous way. So that's where the name comes from. Okay, but now this is all very interesting. We've seen twice now how a name is a um, is almost like a prophecy for the future. Rus is a prophecy for of King David, and Reuven was see um, what my son is going to become, how he's going to be so different from Esau. So they're both um, names that foreshadow the future. So now we're wondering about that. Minolan de Shema Garim. From where do we know that a name can affect one's life like this? Amar Belazar Damar Krabelazar says the verse says in Tehillim, Lechulchazumi falos Hashem, Asher sam shamos ba'aretz. Okay, so if you take a look at the verse, literally it says, Go see the works of the Lord who has made desolation upon the earth. But that word desolation can also be read as shamos, which means names. So then the way you would read it is, go see the works of the Lord who has made names on the earth. I'll take shamos, el shamos. Don't read the word as shamos. Read it as shamos, which means names. And then what the verse is saying is, is that the names of somebody are the works of God upon the earth, as if to say the name um, is so meaningful that it's a work of God upon the earth. It can foreshadow what is to come. All right, um, let us go further. We are at the two dots at the end of the second, the colon at the end of the second widest wide lines. Another teaching of Rabbi Yochanan in the name of Rabbi Yochai. Um, so we're back to just listing off his teachings in the name of Rabbi Yochai. Kasha Tarbas Rabbas Achbeisos Adam Yosef Mechemes Gog Gog. Having a wayward child in your home is worse than the. Um, the war between Gog and Magog, which is the war to end all wars before the coming of Messiah or at the Messianic times. Shinamar, because it says about a wayward son, King David had a wayward son that ultimately um, started rebellion against King David. His name was Avshalom. So the verse says, Mizmar le David Avshalom It says a, pra- a psalm to David when he was escaping or running away from Avshalom, his son. And right after that, it says, It says right after that, It says, God, how great is my suffering. Many um, enemies have come upon me. Okay, so many enemies have come upon me. That is a reference to the rebellion of his son, of his wayward son. Yet when King David is describing the war of Gog and Magog, it says there, it says, why are the nations going wild? And why do the people speak for nothing? And then it goes on to say a couple of other things that aren't very good. 
But one thing it doesn't say is, It does not say that my enemies or my suffering are numerous. That it does not say. So we see that having a wayward son is even worse than a war between Gog and Magog. So now that we started talking about having this wayward son, and we, we um, now we're going to focus in on the psalm that deals with um, King David having to flee this wayward son of Shalom. So it says, that's where we're gonna we're gonna analyze now. Mizmar ledavid bevarachol mipnei av shalom beno. Mizmar ledavid kina ledavid mibayale. So the verse says, "A psalm of David when fleeing his son of shalom." Now, why are we calling it a psalm of David? Shouldn't it be a a kina, a lament of David? Because this is not a happy situation. He should have called this a lament. What he's about to talk about, not a mizmar, a psalm, which is a, some sort of praise and and a certain happiness. So Amar Shem benav shalom. So Rabbi Shimon Av Shalom explains, what is this similar to? It's um, it's similar to a person who um, basically was owed has to, owed money to somebody. So before he owed it, he was disappointed. He was obviously sad. But while he still owed, I mean, before he paid it back, he was sad. But after he pays it back, he feels glad. Um, so, so too, we can say by King David, af King David, so too with King David, once God told King David through the prophet Nasan, um, this was after his sin with Bathsheba, it says, once God told King David that I'm going to raise up evil against you from your own home, that's when King David was very sad. Shema Eved Omar, Shema Eved Omamzerhu, the Lochayas Alai, because he thought perhaps it was going to be from the lowest people in my home, maybe one of my slaves, or maybe, because uh, it's just someone from his own household, so it didn't have to be a child, so maybe it was uh, someone at this low level, maybe a, 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 um, a Mamzer, which is a bastard, or maybe it's a slave who is going to um, create a rebellion against me, and then they would have had no mercy on me whatsoever. But once he saw that it was Avshalom, his own son, Sameach, then King David was actually far, he was relieved, if not happy, um, because he said, oh, it's my son, he'll have, he'll ultimately have mercy on me. That's why he called it a mizmor about this experience. He called it a, a psalm or a praise instead of a lament. Okay, another teaching of Rabbi Yochanan in the name of Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai, Bar Yochai. Let's do this. We are at um sorry, we are at the um end of the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. We're at the colon at the end of the eighth line down in the wide lines, the widest lines, the Umr of Yochanan, another teaching. You are allowed to fight against the wicked in this world. Shinemar, as the verse says, Those who abandon the Torah will praise evil, and those that guard the Torah will fight with them. So it's all right to fight with the wicked. Obviously, this has um, a lot more... Uh, a lot more ramifications. It's it's a much more complex issue, but we're just going to retranslate and 
very, uh, very um, literally explained. Taninami Hachi. We also learned this concept in a Brisa. Rabbi Dostai, Rabbi Masan Omer. Rabbi Dostai says, Mutulis Garas Bershain Belamaze. You are allowed to fight with the wicked in this world. Shinamar Ozve Toya Halarasha, quoting the same verse, that those who abandon the Torah will praise evil, and the guardians of the Torah will fight them. And perhaps someone will whisper to you, meaning point out to you, but wait a minute, doesn't a verse in Tehillim say otherwise? Doesn't it say, Doesn't it say, Do not compete with those that do evil, and do not envy those that are unjust. So we seem to say that you should not fight um, with the wicked. So MRLO, so you can answer somebody that would raise that verse as a contradiction to fighting with the wicked and say, and basically say that only those who, whose heart pounds on him, whose heart hits him, you know, feels uh, that perhaps I did some sins that would make me evil and therefore does not want, would want to understand that verse as saying, do not fight with the evil. That's how they would explain it. But the truth is, that's not the real explanation. The real explanation of that verse is, when it says not to fight with those or compete with those that are evil, it just means do not compete in the evil. Don't be like those that do evil. And when it says do not be jealous, um, do not envy those that um, are unjust, it just means do not envy and mirror and emulate. Do not become unjust. That's all that verse is saying. The Omer, we have a proof that this is true, that when it says to, about envy, it means to emulate. It says, Do not envy those that have sin. Um, rather, you should be fearful of God all day. So we see that there the word envy really was used as a word to emulate. So do not emulate those that have sins. Okay. Now, so it would seem so far then that according to the verse in Psalms and in Proverbs, it would seem that you are encouraged to fight with the wicked. But is this really true? Eni, is this really true? The Hamar B'Yitzchak, then Rabbi Yitzchak says, Im ra'isa rasha sha'asham eslo al-tizgarobo, Don't we say that if you see a wicked person and the moment is laughing on him, meaning he seems to be enjoying good fortune, we say, Al-Tizgarbo, do not fight with him. Shinamar, as the verse in Tehillim says, Yachilu durachav bechol es. The verse says, his ways prosper at all times, meaning a wicked person like this, his, when he's prosperous, his ways prosper at all times, so do not, it's not worth fighting with him. Um... Below Oda, not only will he be prosperous, if you take him to court or if he, you know, if he appears in judgment, he will be victorious. Shanemar, as the verse says, it says that your judgments are far beyond him. Meaning, the judgment that you make is far beyond him. Meaning, even if you judge against him, it will not affect him whatsoever because he's so much beyond that. And furthermore, it says, and not only that, he'll see the affliction of his enemies. Shenemar called Sorov Yafiach Bahem, as it says, for all of his enemies, he snorts at them. So we see, therefore, from these this verse in Tehillim, this three sections of this one verse in Tehillim in Psalms, that you should not fight with um, those that are wicked. So we answer, Lokasha Habamili So this answer is basically saying that when the verse in Tehillim tells us that you should not fight, you should not provoke somebody that's wicked, that is that is when it comes to his personal matters. But 
where it says that you should fight or provoke those that are evil, that's referring to matters of heaven, matters between him and God, and then you should do what you can to uh, change his ways. If you want, I can say, or we can say that both where it says not to fight and where it says to fight are both referring to provoking him in it when it comes to things between him and God. Um, and how do we resolve the contradiction? Where we say not to fight, where we say to fight with them. I'm sorry, where we say not to fight with them, that's when it comes to a wicked person who is enjoying good fortune. When it says you should fight or you should provoke, that's when it comes to a wicked person who is not enjoying good fortune. Or if you want, I can say, both teachings, the one that says to fight and not to fight, are both referring to a wicked person that the time he's enjoying good fortune. And this is the how to resolve the contradiction. One is when it comes to a completely righteous person, and one is a not a, an incompletely righteous person. Um, if you are a right, completely righteous person, then you should go ahead and fight and provoke somebody that's evil. But if you're not, then you should not, at least when um, the evil person is enjoying good fortune. Because uh, Ravuna says, my dixiv, what does it mean when it's written? Lama sabit bogdim, tacharish bevala rasha, tzadik mi menu. The verse says, this is a verse in Chabakuk, which says, Why do you look on those who deal evil, who deal negatively and hold your peace? When the wicked swallows the man more righteous than he. So what's this a reference to? Now, do we ever have that a wicked person swallows somebody more righteous than him? The the Hakasiv, doesn't the verse in Tehillim says, Hashem lo biyado, that God will not leave him in his hand. So meaning God will not leave a righteous person to be swallowed by a wicked person. Uchsi, then we have a verse in Proverbs that says, Lo yune let tzadik kol on. It says there that um, no mischief should befall a righteous person. So how then do we understand what's going on here? Because the verse in Chabakuk seemed to say that a wicked person would swallow up a righteous person. So we answer, Rather, it must be that if somebody is just a bit, is, is more righteous than an evil person, but is not completely righteous, then the wicked person would swallow him. And if you're, therefore, if you're not a right, completely righteous, you should not start to fight or provoke somebody that is evil. But the verse in Tehillim and Mishle that says that you're always protected and therefore a wicked person will not be able to swallow you, that's at Sadiq Gamar Eino Balea, that is the completely righteous person, then a right uh, evil person will not be able to swallow him. V'i Bayas Ema, V'i Bayas Ema, Shah If you want, I can say that reality is, is that the wicked's not able to swallow the righteous, but when. The righteous, the evil is going through good fortune. That's when it's different, and at that point, the righteous can be harmed. Okay, that's the end of that teaching. We will now begin another teaching. Um, again, Rabbi Yochanan in the name of Rabbi Shum Ben Yochai. It's the one, two, th it's uh, the words right after the third last colon on the page. A couple, like, probably seven lines down from the bottom. 
Anybody that has a set place for his prayers, um, their enemies will fall under them. Shinamar, as the verse says in Shmuel, the Samti Makom La Ami Israel Unetativ. Um Unetativ Vishachin Tahtov Velo Yirgaz Od. Okay, so I just read a whole a whole long pasuk, a whole long verse, but this is what it means. And I will point a place for my nations, and I will plant them, so that they will then be able to rest underneath them. And then it goes on to say that they will be disturbed no more, and the children of wickedness shall no longer afflict them. Just as it was in the beginning. So we see the, I will appoint a place for my nation and plant them and being dwelling in their own place. That is a reference to creating your personal place for prayer service. And we know the next part of the Pasuk, the next part of the verse says, they'll be disturbed no more and the children of wickedness will not be able to afflict them just like it was. So we see this, uh, this connection between setting a place for davening, for prayer, and your enemies not being able to touch you. So now we're just going to focus in on the last uh, part of that verse, which says that that the verse says that no longer will the b'nei avla, the children of wickedness, be able to afflict them, afflict him. Funa says that if you take a look in the book of Shmuel, it says that the children of wickedness will no longer be able to afflict them. But if you take a look at the very similar verse. In Divrei uh, Hayamim, in Chronicles, there it says that the children of wickedness will no longer be able to destroy them. So is it afflicting or destroying? How do we understand that? So he answers, So Umar explains that at first the enemies of the Jewish people tried just to afflict the Jewish people. But what that eventually leads to is trying to destroy them entirely. Okay. The Omar Rabbi Yochanan. So we're at the second to last colon on the page. Rabbi Yochanan Mishum, Rabbi Shimon Yochai. Again, another teacher of Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Shimon Yochai. Gedolah Shemusha Shaltar Yosem Ilamuda. Greater is the one that serves the Torah scholar than is studying. The service of Torah is greater than studying the Torah. Shenemar. So the service of a Torah scholar is greater than. So spending time serving a Torah scholar is greater than spending time learning from a Torah scholar. Shenemar, as the verse says, Po Elisha ben Shafat Asher Yatzak Maimah Yudei Eliyahu. It says here is Elisha, who was um, the person that the prophet that learned from Elijah, from Eliyahu. So we say here is Elisha, the son of Shaphat, that poured water on the hands of Eliyahu. And that's what we're pointing out, that he poured water on the hands of Eliyahu. Laman Lonamar doesn't say that he learned from Eliyahu, even though he was the prophet that came after Eliyahu, and Eliyahu was his mentor. Eliyatsak, rather the verse focuses on the fact that he poured water on the hands of Eliyahu. This would teach us, therefore, that greater is the one that serves Torah than the one who learns from, uh, greater than one who learns the Torah. Okay, so now we're going to um, talk, in in order to introduce the next teaching of Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Yochai, we're going to first teach us, uh, we're first going to have an introduction. And this is the introduction. Um, 
Okay, and the introduction is the last colon on the page on Zion Amabet. Amar Rabbi Yitzchak, Rav Nachman, my time alasi, Mar Rabbi Kenishto Litzluye. So one time, Rabbi Yitzchak said to Rav Nachman, "Why did you not come to the shul to daven?" Amar Le Lo Yachelnai. He said, "I couldn't. I wasn't able to." Amar Le Lechnefe Mar Le Asara Velitzli. So he says, "So, so Rabbi Yitzchak said to Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman, why didn't you gather ten people and pray in your home at least?" Amar Le Tarichali Milsa. He said, "It was too much for me to try to get other people to come and pray with me." But why didn't you at least tell the person that was leading services in the shul that when the congregation begins to pray, send a messenger to let me know? It seems like he lived right nearby. And that way, at least he'd be able to pray at the same time that the um, congregation was praying. So that's just the introduction to a discussion of praying together with a congregation that will be um, the beginning of next podcast's discussion. Um, so we went through a lot of interesting concepts today. We talked about Avram and calling God Lord um, and how important that was. We talked more about appeasing someone in the throes of their anger. We talked about the first person to thank God. And then we talked about a couple of different names, Yehuda, Ruvain, and Rus, or Ruth. Um, we talked a little bit about the about the revolt or the rebellion of Avshalom, the son of King David, against King David. Um and then we talked about um, fighting or provoking those that are evil, and when you are able to, when it's a mitzvah to, and when you're, when you sh- definitely should stay away from that. And we that spent a, a long time. Um, we got back into that concept of a completely righteous person versus an incompletely righteous person. Um, and then we talked about how it's important to have a set place for prayer. Um, and just how significant that is. We talked about a very famous concept of how greater it is to serve somebody than to actually um, learn from them, a Torah scholar than to learn from them. And then we gave the story of the introduction, the introductory story to praying together with um, a congregation, praying together with the minion. We'll stop here for today. Have a wonderful day.